Salvation Now podcast, where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the Word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist T.J. Malkanji. Thanks for joining me. Please share this broadcast today is going to be a a very, very practical spiritual application type of broadcast. Uh, I felt to do this broadcast, I received a message yesterday from someone who is praying for their their brother for a supernatural healing, and uh, things seem to be going a little worse. So really, mainly I'm doing this broadcast for him, but I know there's so many, because that's what steered me up with this word today. But I know there's so many that are watching right now, and we'll watch on the replay. That you've been believing God for something and it seems like things are going from bad to worse. Whether it be some, uh, a physical miracle you need, if it's a financial miracle, maybe it's a, a miracle in your family. Whatever it is that you need from God, there is a season where you begin to sow seeds of faith. But remember, everything goes from seed time and harvest. There's a time of faith. There's a time to believe. There's a time to stay strong in faith, to stay strong in what God has told you to be, to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might until the harvest comes. So what do we do? What are some practical things we can do in that season of faith, in that time where you're believing, but you haven't seen the manifestation of the promise? This is a question I get oftentimes. A lot of people, I'm believing for healing in my body. I'm believing for a financial miracle for for a new job whatever it might be uh but but it seems like things are not getting better seems like the last time i went to the doctor he says you uh you know you're just decaying rapidly things are getting worse you should go home you know set your things in order because it doesn't look like you're going to make it out of this i want to show you things you can do that can reverse reverse the irreversible situations of life that can move the immovable mountains of life things that you can do that that please god in the season of waiting in the season where you're believing but you're you're ultimately waiting for the the manifestation you've received the reality of that thing in your heart because the bible says whatsoever things you pray for believe that you have received it And it will be given to you. So we believe we have it. But what do you do from the moment that you believe you have it here until the moment where you have it here in your hands? What do you do from the moment that you believe you've received in your heart to the moment you've received in your hands and you can show it to everyone else? There's some people you're watching and, and since you've believed God for that breakthrough, things have dropped really quickly. It seems like, you know, before you even started praying about that, it, it had some sort of stability. But now you started praying and it seems like all hell is broken loose against you. I want to tell you today that the devil will try his hardest to turn up the heat of the furnace. But his best will never be enough. If you will stand, just like the Bible says, God gave the instructions to the Israelites. Position yourself. Stand strong. Be strong and not courageous. Don't waver in your confession. Don't waver in your profession. Don't waver in what you've been doing, in the seeds of faith you've been sowing. Because at the end, God is not mocked. 
Whatever a man sows, he's going to reap. Whatever a man sows, if you sow seeds of faith, you're going to reap a miracle harvest that only faith seeds can produce. And I believe today is going to mark a turnaround. Some of you have tuned into this broadcast. You were weary. You were growing tired. You were on the last thread, and the thread was breaking, and you're about to give up. I want to tell you today, don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. Your case has not been closed. It ain't over until God says it's over. And God won't say it's over until you win. It ain't over until God says it's over. And God will not say it's over until you win. And I see you from this, t this day onward rising to the place that God has you in. I see you rising to a high place. I see you breaking free from that sickness in the name of Jesus Christ. I see you breaking free from that long-standing issue in the name of Jesus Christ. I see you rising to a place of glory, of honor, of envy, and of virtue in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. All, just like those three Hebrew boys, they Nebuchadnezzar turned up the heat of the furnace seven times hotter. Things might have turned up seven times hotter. Seems like, seems like things went from bad to worse. That's why I titled this broadcast, What Do You Do When Things Go From Bad to Worse? What happened to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as they didn't give up? Did they fry in that furnace? Did they end up getting burnt up, crisp to a smithereen, and they were just ashes as they were swept up into a bucket afterward? No. The Bible says God, God didn't send an angel to come into that, that burning, fiery furnace. God sent his, it was like a pre-incarnate Christ. The, the Bible says Nebuchadnezzar looked into the furnace and he didn't see three men. He said, I see four men. And the three men we threw in, they were, they were bound. But the only thing that burnt off them was not the hair on their head, was not the clothes on their back. It was the ropes that kept them bound. And behold, I see a fourth man. Hallelujah. I see a fourth man standing with them in that furnace. And the fourth man is likened unto the Son of Man. He was the, it was the pre-incarnate Christ. He could have sent an angel. But as they stood firm as they refuse to give up as they refuse to throw in the towel and quit Jesus said hey angels I'm giving you a day off I'm gonna go ahead of my time and I'm gonna stand with them and when God stands by your side there's no weapon that can be formed against you that can prosper there's no attack of hell that can prevail no you shall prevail you're gonna make it to the other side you're gonna see the promise unfold in your life you're gonna get healed you're gonna see God at work and all men will marvel because of the super supernatural workings of God in your life in Jesus name if you believe that for yourself ahead of time why don't you give God a mighty shout wherever you're at why don't you type in the comment section amen hallelujah announce it to hell ahead of time today's the lowest I'm ever gonna be today's the last time I'm ever gonna be bound by you today's the last day of my affliction many are the afflictions of the righteous but today I'm rising up to a place of prominence to a place of glory in the name of Jesus Christ if you believe that for yourself why don't you just let God know it today? I want to go, first and foremost, I want to read this story out of the book of Mark chapter 5. And then I'm, I got seven things you can do in this time where it's, it, it seems like things went from bad to worse. And uh, it's going to really help you. So I see 108 of you online, many on YouTube, some on Facebook. Please help me share this broadcast. Help me defeat the Facebook algorithms. This is a message. I know there are hopeless people in this time, especially in this pandemic, whatever they call it, type of year. 
There are people that have lost their jobs. There are people who things were already bad pre-2020. And then after 2020, it's like things really went bad. Things really went sour. And it looks like there's no hope for them. Looks like everything's belly up. I want, I want this message into their hearts. That's what prompted me to do this broadcast. There are people that are hurting. There's a bruised, lost, dying, sighing, crying humanity that unless they receive this message of the cross, they will perish in their affliction. David said, I would have lost heart had I not believed I would have given up had I not believed I would have quit had I not believed he said I would have perished in my affliction had your word not been my delight that's what we're preaching today it's the unadulterated unperverted untouched word of God I'm not trying to add in my thoughts about God's word you know there's a lot of preachers that's what they do they get up and do a live stream or they get up in a service and they try and like twist the word of God so that you know in case people don't get healed at least they'll know that uh They'll know it's not God's fault, you know. They'll know that God really loves them and all that. I'm not trying to twist this word to suit people's comfort. I, I'm not trying to throw a piece of bread in the ditch that people are held in. I want to throw them a rope. And the word of God is the rope that gets people out of the miry clay to sit them on the rock to stay. So help me out. Share it. And, and God will bless you for it. Mark 5, 21. When Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude... A great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. And he begged Jesus earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him. And a great multitude followed him and thronged him. So he just sowed the seed of faith. He went and pleaded with Jesus to come and heal his daughter. He did what he knew what to do. What to do? He had heard of Jesus Christ, who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. He had heard of the miracles that were taking place in his ministry. He had heard about Lazarus coming back to, from the dead four days after he had died. So he said, man, if that guy's going around and recognize something, Jesus was not very popular in the synagogue. Jesus was not. He always disrupted their services. He would heal people people on the Sabbath, that ticked the religious crowd off. But there was a desperation in this he was a ruler of the synagogue. There was a desperation in his heart that said, I don't care if I lose my standing with the religious crowd anymore. I don't care if people don't look at me as a ruler anymore. I don't care if I lose my position as one of the preachers in this synagogue. I want my daughter be, to be made well. And I know this man carries power with God to, to set my daughter free. You know, even Nicodemus came to Jesus. The religious, the reason why Jesus condemned them was not because they, they were ignorant. And they didn't believe because of ignorance. They knew that this guy was the Messiah. They knew this guy was sent by God. But because he was taking the crowds away from their synagogues, he was taking the crowds away from their little religious uh, ceremonies, they got ticked. The Bible even says Pilate knew that they delivered Jesus over to, the, to, to be crucified because they envied him. They knew. Uh, Pilate knew that the religious crowd envied Jesus, but there was a desperation in this guy's heart that said, I don't care what I lose as long as I gain what Christ can do for me. You have to have that in your heart today. I, if things are getting worse and worse, doctors told you you don't have long to live. There has to be something in you that says, I don't care what man thinks of me. Man can't help me. Man can't bring me out. Man can't assist me. Man's not the source of my answer and solution. Only God is. And as such, I'm going to 
to do what is required of me, even if it looks foolish amongst men, I know God will honor my faith. Faith looks foolish to men, but faith is what God honors. Without it, no man can come to God. No man can please God. But when you have it, Hebrews 11:6 says, when you come to God in faith, believe that he is, not only that he exists, not only that he's there, out there. What, what does it matter if you just believe God is out there? Well, I know there's a God out there in this universe. Doesn't matter. You have to appropriate the blessing by faith for you, for you, individual. God's not going to honor the faith of your great-great-grandparents. God doesn't have great-great-grandchildren. God honors the faith of individuals. And the Bible says when you come to Him in faith, He is faithful and He will be a rewarder to those that diligently search Him and seek after Him. That's what you're doing today. That's why the grace of God has drawn you to this broadcast. Because you might be at wit's end, but hope is being infused in to your heart. Faith is being, is being birthed in your spirit. And though you might have fallen, maybe you've even spoken words like, man, I'm just going to quit. I'm just going to give up. Man, no point serving God anymore. Maybe that's you. I want to tell you today, God's not condemning you. God's not in heaven saying, man, you know what, after all I've done for them in the past, now they started to talk like that. Even if they cry out to me, I'm not going to answer them. No. Today, as long as there's breath in your lungs, God's not condemning you. God's still like the prodigal father. They always say the prodigal son, but the prodigal means to, to, to lavishly give, to lavishly waste. The prodigal son lavishly wasted his inheritance, but the prodigal father, he lavishly wastes his blessings on us. He pours out his blessings without even thinking, without even, um, without consideration of what he, he, he is supernaturally invested in your life and the bible says when the man came to himself and he went back he said i'm going to go back to my father's house and i'm going to plead with him make me like one of your hired servants what did the father do he came with arms wide open and he said this is my son who was lost but now he's been found god is not angry with you it's the day of god's favor the ark door is still open and there's still time for you to turn to him call unto him and he said i'll answer you and show you great and mighty things which you know not of he begged him, like little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and, and live. So Jesus went with him and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from the hands of many physicians. She spent all that she had. Was no better. She only grew worse. There it is again. She went from bad to worse. She tried everything she knew to try. Physicians, doctors, analysts, whatever. Did all the x-rays she could. But the Bible says that after she spent everything she had, she was literally hanging by a thread. She didn't get any better. She only grew worse. But then she heard about Jesus. That's why we do these broadcasts. Now, some of you, a lot of you, you've heard about Jesus. But I want to I bring you into a new dimension of Jesus. There are many different facets of Christ. And there's a facet of Christ that hasn't been introduced to the body of Christ at large. Most people see Christ as like that Catholic Jesus on the cross with like a miserable face, like he's been baptized in pickle juice and he's just t terribly miserable. And that's the, the, the picture you have painted in your heart concerning Jesus. But I'm going to show you another Jesus. Not another Jesus. It's the same Jesus that died on the cross, but it's a different side of him. He's not just a, a crucified uh, Savior. He's a risen Savior. Listen to this. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I only may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. 
immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction Jesus immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him turned around in the crowd and said who touched my clothes his disciples said to him you see the multitudes thronging you and yet you say who touched me and he looked around to see her who had done this thing and the woman fearing and trembling knowing what had happened to her came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth Jesus said to her daughter I can't believe you got around that hyper-faith crowd that just believes if you'll, if you'll just uh, touch the hem of my garment, you'll be... No, that's that hyper-faith crowd. I warned you about them. That's, that's lies and deceitful teaching. Those are false teachers telling you that if you'll just believe, all things possible. You know, they're taking my word out of context. Not all things are possible. I, too, have limits. Did he rebuke her? Or does the Bible say, he looked at her and said, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. So you see, faith... Does never brings a bad report faith brings a good report faith brings a good report you cannot stay in faith and reap a bad harvest you cannot sow seeds of faith seeds of victory seeds from the word of God and reap a bad harvest a rotten harvest no you will reap a harvest of what you've belie been believing God for in the name of Jesus because faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Faith caused her to overcome an infirmity in her body. Faith will cause you to overcome anything that's coming against you today. People of faith are people of, uh, uh, that belong to the camp of overcomers. People of faith are overcomers. I want you to write that in the comment section. People of faith are overcomers. We're not underachievers. We're not people that we're just holding on. What, are, what is everyone holding on to? We're not holding on. We have the victory. We, we don't wait till the walls to fall before we start shouting. We shout now knowing that God fights our battles. Knowing that who stands by us is not some weak, emaciated, failure-prone God. We have a victory God. We serve a conquering God. We serve a God who's never lost a battle. And you're not going to ruin that track record for Him in the name of Jesus. Moving on, while he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house and said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? So his daughter was dying. Now his daughter's dead. I thought if, I came, if, if Jesus came with me, things would get better, not get terrible news like that. I thought if I came to ask you, Jesus, for you to heal my daughter, she wouldn't die. At least you can keep her alive for a couple of more months. For goodness sakes. That's what most people's reaction would have been. Your daughter is dead. And then look what they say. Don't trouble the teacher any further. When things go from bad to worse. That's not the time to give up. That's not the time. to, to Even though that's the temptation. It's not the time to, to, to lose momentum. It's not the time to pray less. It's not the time to read less. It's not the time to listen to less sermons. It's not the time to start, start thinking, well, you know, I guess God had his plan. Guess, Lord, I won't trouble you with that anymore. Let's move on to the next thing. No. Look at what Jesus said. Jesus heard the word that they had spoken to not trouble him anymore. You know, you have, if you're going to receive a breakthrough today, you have to get that mentality out of you that you think that you're troubling God by your request. You think that you're... you're and argue, uh, aggravating God by your request. Think that you're an, an annoyance to God. That you're a nuisance to Him. That he's, he's like in heaven saying, man, again you're praying? 
Why don't you just give up? God's not on the side of the enemy hoping you give up. God's on the side of your victory. God is for you today. God is amongst those that wants to help you today. You're not a trouble to him. You're his own child. My child doesn't come to me and ask me for something. I say, well, you're just a big trouble. Man, I should have never had you. Do you think God's in heaven thinking, man, I should have never had, should have never made them. What a mistake. You're not a mistake to God. You're a miracle to God. You were created in his own image. He didn't make you in the image of a goat. He made you in his own image. And he cares for you. And he loves you. And he wants to bless you. And his plans for you are not for harm or destruction. It's for a future and a hope. You're not a trouble to God. You're a blessing to God. God enjoys your prayers. God enjoys your presence. God enjoys when you cry to him. God enjoys when you hold hands with him. God enjoys when you believe him. For great and marvelous things. His eyes are looking forward throughout the whole earth. Looking for people like you. Looking for a kind like you. That's crying out to him. That's pleading for a miracle. That's believing God for a breakthrough. He wants to show himself strong. Afresh in you in this generation. To show the world. That there is a God in heaven that you can call on. And his name is not Mohammed. His name is not Buddha. His name is not Confucius. His name is not uh, some Hindu God. His name is Jesus. And the Bible says those that put their trust in him shall never be disappointed. God's not waiting to disappoint you. God, the Bible says, ask and you shall receive that your joy may be made full. He wants to make that joy full today in your life. So what happened? Jesus heard the word and it irritated him. And he turned to the ruler of the synagogue and said, Don't be afraid. Only believe. Don't be afraid. Only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John. He came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. He came in and said, Why are you making this commotion and weeping? This child is not dead. He's sleeping. And they ridiculed him. When he had put him all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. And he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumai, which is little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately, the girl arose and walked and she was 12 years of age and they were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded strictly that no one should know it and said that something should be given her to eat. So I want to go through so you can see. When the word came to not trouble Jesus any longer, as things got worse for him, Jesus violently answered back, Hey, don't, be don't let that make you afraid. Don't let that report that things just got worse sink you down into some depression and anxiety that causes depression. Jesus always came with a good word. Good word. Only belief. He always had an answer of faith to the world's doubt. He always had a report of faith to the negative reports that the world would throw. He said only believe. So what does it mean to only believe? What are faith steps you can take in this time? Number one, you have to understand the attack originated in hell. If you're just tuning in now, please help me get this word out to more people by sharing the broadcast and you'll be a, a great help to me. And now welcome to the broadcast. What do you do when things go from bad to worse? Understand, number one, that the attack originated in hell. I want you to turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5 and beginning with verse 7. If you're confused as to where this attack came from, 
If you think God is at the other end of this attack, you'll never have a fight in you to rise up against it. Because who can fight against God and prevail? What do you plan on doing? If God is the one that put that sickness on you, if God's the one that's keeping you confined to that hospital bed, if God's the one that, that keeps on draining your bank account, if God's the one, the source of, your, of that attack against your life, attack against your children, then where do you plan on finding a weapon to defeat God? There is none. He's the most high God. So the devil will do work overtime to slap you in the face, back up, and when you look to see who hit you, point his finger at God and say, he did it. And as long as he keeps you in that frame of mind, where you think that what you're going through is, is, you know, God's bringing me through it so he can get me to it. You know, like whatever. People come up with all kinds of crappy, non-biblical, cliche statements that don't have any scripture to back behind it. I mean, when do you see? You want to see God's will for your life? Look at Jesus. You want to see what God wants to do for you? Look at Jesus. You want to see what God is intensely burning with passion to accomplish on your behalf today? Look at Jesus. You see Jesus walking around and seeing healthy children laying his hands on them and saying, would you just receive some leukemia? Come over here, little Robbie. Why don't you just receive crippled legs? In the... You think he was going around seeing people that were prospering and saying, hey, hey, you know, that's a little too much money for you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just take all that from you and you're, you're going to learn what it means. Poverty is piety. Amen. Do you think he was seeing people that were happy on the streets and he just took his staff and whacked them in the leg and say, hey, you're too happy around me. You know, there's actually churches. If you laugh in church, they'll crucify you. God's a happy God. In his presence is fullness of joy. You know what that tells you? When you're in his presence, anything that doesn't bring fullness of joy has to go. The thief, the devil comes to steal. John 10, 10. T.L. Osborne used to call it the gospel in one verse. The devil comes not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. If it's stealing from you, it's not God. If it's stealing joy, if it's stealing money, if it's stealing health, it's not God. If it's killing, killing your body, if it's killing your bank, whatever it is, if it's killing, if there's decay to it, God, everything God touches grows. Everything God touches flourishes. So if it's not flourishing, you know, Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a small mustard seed. When it is sown, it might be the smallest of the seeds of the field. But after it begins to grow, it grows larger. Everything God gives is built on increase. The blessing of the Lord makes a man rich. The Bible says in the way of the Lord is strength for the upright. If it kills your strength, it's not of God. And if it destroys, if it destroys your family, identify these things. People just accept whatever comes their way. Well, it must be God. Well, if God allowed it, it must be in his will. God will allow what you allow. I'll say that again. God will allow what you allow. Just because God permitted it does not mean God committed it. Just because God permitted it does not mean God committed it. There's a difference between commission and permission. God permits sinners to reject Christ and go to hell. Does God commit that? Does God make them reject Christ and go to hell? No way, Jose. And if you're a Jose who believed that, maybe that was a word of knowledge. Who knows? But God, just because God permits things to happen, God will permit me to take heroin the next 365 days, rob banks, and, and, and just 
turn loose some wicked plans on the earth. God will permit me to beat my kid today if I wanted to. Doesn't mean he's it doesn't mean he's allow, uh, he's 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 calling me to do it. God will permit me to burn my neighbor's house down tonight. And if you're you know the US protection or whatever and I just came into the country and I'm listing out all these threats of burning people's house and beating my kids. This is uh, obviously an object lesson. Not an object lesson. It's an analogy. It's a I'm just trying to illustrate a point. God will per permit you to do anything you want. Doesn't mean he's commissioning it. And that's where people have to change in their, change in their mind. Well, you know, if God really didn't want me to stay sick, he would have never permitted it to happen. That's not true. The whole Bible is things happening to people that God didn't, God didn't commit it. Because if he committed it, why would Jesus lay hands on the sick and the sick recover? If Jesus went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, but God was the one behind that oppression, then Jesus would have spent his whole entire earthly ministry on doing the will of God. So number one, you've got to identify the source of your attack is hell and not heaven. First, John, uh, First Peter 5 and verse 6, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your care on him, for he cares for you. But be sober, be vigilant. Don't have your head buried in the sand in religious thinking. And You know, the Bible says you make void the word of God because you keep to the, to, to the traditions. There are many church traditions that tell you sickness is the will of God. There are many church traditions that tells you whatever happens in life, God has a plan in it or whatever. God, the only plan God has for the evil that's committed your way is to take you out. They always use Genesis 50-20. And they say... Uh, well, Joseph said, Joseph said in Genesis 50 and verse 20 that, um, that, uh, what is Genesis 50, 20? Hold on. Let me get it. I had like a lawnmower run behind me. Like I said, bear with me the next couple of weeks. John, uh, Genesis 50, 20. As for me, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is unto this day, to save many people alive. You meant evil against me, but God meant it, but God had a plan to take me out of it. So people say that like, well, God originated the evil so that God can, can bring the breakthrough or bring the deliverance. But the Bible doesn't say that Joseph said God brought evil to me. He told his, he looked at his brothers and said, you brought the evil on me, but God brought the way out. The devil brings the evil, God brings the freedom. The devil brings the sickness, God brings the healing. The devil brings the chains, God brings the freedom. The devil brings the bondage, God brings the liberty. It's the devil that the Bible says walks about like a, a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith. So you see, it doesn't say, well, just, just let it happen. Just, just... Pray that you'll make it through it. No, resist him. It's up to you to resist him. It's up to you to rise up in faith and say, no, I'm not going to be another victim of your hell-sent attack. I'm not going to be another victim of, of your assault on mankind. I've been born from above. I have God's spirit in me. Greater is he that lives in, in me than he that's in the world. I'm destined for success. I'm destined for breakthrough. I'm destined to go from glory to glory and from victory to victory and from strength to strength. Resist him. Stand fast in the faith. 
And the Bible says, the God of all grace, who's called you to his eternal glory, after you've suffered, will perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Hallelujah. God's the source of your help. He's a very present help in time of trouble. Not a very present hell in time of trouble. A very present help in time of trouble. The Bible says He's our refuge and our strength. That He sends refuge for the oppressed. The Bible says for the oppression of the needy and the sign of the poor. I'm going to arise and I'm going to set them in the safety for which they yearn. As long as you, you think that what you're going through is God's some weird mysterious plan. Well, how many of you know we got to go through the valley? You know, the Israelites had to go 40 years in the wilderness. What put them through the wilderness? Was it God's will for them to go 40 years in the wilderness? No. He actually rebukes them time and time again. You wicked, rebellious people. Had you just listened to me, it would have been a 15-day journey to where they needed, or a three-month journey to where they needed to be. But because of their own rebellious hearts they continue in that wilderness so don't let some backslidden preacher tell you that you're going through the wilderness like the Israelites. had god not taken moses through the wilderness he would have never risen up as a deliverer in egypt amen did god have plans to throw him in the wilderness for 40 years no the bible says it was his own anger unchecked anger when he killed the egyptian that threw him in the wilderness he had things to work on but you have the word of god that when you study, it shows you approved, a workman who doesn't need to be ashamed. So you don't have to dwell around mountains and just continue to circle the same problem over and over again. You're just holding on. You can break free today when you understand the thief comes not to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came to give me life more abundantly. The devil had a plan to wipe me out. But before the devil even drew up those plans, God had a plan to save me. God had a plan to raise me up. God had a plan to deliver me. God had a plan to deliver me from the oppression of the devil. Number one, understand the attack originated in hell. Number two, you got to look away from alternatives. Gen Jeremiah 17 says, Cursed is the man who puts his trust in man. Cursed is the man who makes the uh, flesh his strength. When you put your, when your eyes are on everything else but God, you're in a bad place. You're in a place where God can't help you. You have to set it in your heart today. If God can't help me, nobody else can. If God can't deliver me, nobody else should try. If God can't heal me, then what medicine or doctor can? Now, I'm not saying medicine and doctors are bad. You seek whatever treatment you need. But you have to understand that doctors can treat. But Jesus is the one that heals. He's the great physician. And, you know, how many times I've heard people come up and give testimony in church. You know, um, I, I was sick with this type of cancer. And I just want to say uh, I'm so thankful for the doctors and and the, 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 the treatments they gave me and how comfortable they made me felt through, feel through it all. And so I just want to give glory to God for that. There was no glory to give to God to that. You just talked about how the doctors were great, how, how great medicine, the medicine was, how, you know, you, you, by talking like that, shows that your source of healing wasn't God. Your source of healing was the doctor. You were hoping they, they succeeded because if they didn't succeed, you, you would have died an early death. 
I'm not saying that doctors can't treat. They can treat. But God is the one that brings health. God is the one that brings the healing. You know, there's a lot of people that receive the same treatments and some people don't make it and others do. Why? It's the same treatment. Shows you the treatment's not the, 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 the solution. God's the one that authors the healing in people's bodies. God's the originator of life, the author of life, the Bible says. So you got to look away from alternatives. Proverbs 3 says, uh, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Don't lean on, on people's opinions. Don't lean on what the doctors are saying. Look to God. The Bible says in the wilderness, Moses lifted up the brazen serpent, and all who looked lived. That brazen serpent was a type of Jesus on the cross, absorbing the curse of mankind on himself. And the Bible says when the serpent was lifted up, every Israelite that looked not only had their sins forgiven, but their bodies were healed. Jesus said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, I should be lifted up. That whosoever looks to me will look and live. So if under that natural wooden beam that has a, a, a graven serpent placed on it, a, bronze, a brazen serpent placed on it, if that had power to forgive sin and heal, heal their bodies, how much more shall the actual Christ on that cross, absorbing the curse of all the world on him, be able to heal you today, forgive you of your sin, and break you free from that long-standing issue. But you have to look today. Look and live. Look and live. Make sure you're not grieving the Holy Spirit by the words you speak. Well, I, you know, doctors are trying something new on me today. I just hope that this... My hope is in the Lord. My trust is in Him. Strengthen your heart. Believe in Him. And the Bible says... He will, he will bring it to pass. Trust in the Lord. Dwell on His faithfulness. Think about God's past faithfulness in your life. How, you know, you shouldn't even be alive here in the first place because of the sicknesses that God's pulled you out of in the past. Or the bankruptcies you faced, but God bailed you out then. Or the times you couldn't pay rent, but God bailed you out at just the right time. Finances flowed in, and you had more than enough. To feed your children and clothe your children and do everything. If God did it then, won't He do it now? Look to God today. And look away from alternatives. Number three, you got to look away from self. Stop saying, you know, I, I, I'm just going to stay strong through it all. You know, just believe in yourself and you're going to make it through it. That's the world's wisdom. You don't believe in yourself. Never did Jesus come to someone and say, hey, believe in yourself and you'll make Believe on me. Belie whosoever believes on me he will say to this mountain be uprooted and cast into the midst of the sea and what he says and not doubting in his heart he will have what he says he will have what he says doesn't say be strong in yourself you know just just make sure you keep strong be strong in the lord and in the power of his might turn away from yourself we just got to reach deep down in and get that inner strength. Everybody's got that inner strength in them. Some people call it faith. Other people call it something else. Whatever it is. No. You, if you look to self, the Bible says, Cursed is the man who trusts in his own strength. If you look to yourself, you, you'll, you'll have a bad end of story. Because now you're relying on your own ability to get you through. And you're finite. 
There's an, there's an end to that inner strength because there is an inner strength in men. You know, there are people who, you know, uh, well, I believed I can do it and I did it. There is an inner strength. God has made us in his image. There's an inner strength. But that inner <laughs> that, that has a, a, a very low uh, capacity. When things get from bad to worse, that's going to get wiped out. That inner strength is not going to hold you through it. You have to be strong in the Lord and in the power of mind. Not by might, not by strength, by my spirit, God said. Bible even says the strength of a, ho of a horse is a vain help in the day of trouble. The Bible says uh, in Psalm 44.3, let me read this. Psalm 44.3. We did not gain possession of the land, of the promise, by my own sword, nor did my own arm save me. It was your right hand, your arm, in the light of your countenance, because you favored me. So the psalmist is saying, I, I didn't gain, we didn't get this land, we didn't gain the promise, because we had inner strength. We didn't gain the promise, because through it all, we maintained a good attitude about it. We gained the promise, because we looked to you, and you, be, you became our reward. Bible says in Ephesians 6, put on the full armor of God. Not listening to motivational speaking that's going to tell you, you know, you have it in you to get it. No. Put on the full armor of God. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Put on the, the, the belt of truth. Put on the shield of faith that quenches every fiery dart of the enemy. Look away from self. Number four, look away from other reports. 2 Kings chapter 19. This is such a powerful story. I was reading this this morning. 2 Kings chapter 19. And beginning with verse 14. So Hezekiah, king of Judah, is surrounded by an, uh, the Assyrian army that has one plan for Jerusalem, and that's the, to wipe it out, to besiege Jerusalem, kill everyone that doesn't bow, and then take Jerusalem as their own possession. They were going to wipe them out. And uh, listen to what happened. So Rabshakeh, who's the king of Assyria, returned and... Sorry, who's the messenger of the king of Assyria? Returned and found the king of Assyria warring against Libna. For he had heard that he had departed from Lashish. And the king heard concerning... Let me move on. Verse 10. So the king of Assyria sent messengers to Hezekiah, saying, Thus you shall speak to Hezekiah, king of Judah. Say to him, do not let your God, in whom you trust, deceive you, saying, Jerusalem shall not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Look, you've heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the lands by utterly destroying them, and shall you be delivered? Have the gods of those nations delivered those from my father's hands, and, uh, and whom my fathers have destroyed? Where's the king of Hamath, the king of Arpad, the king of the city of Sepharvaim, Hena, and Eva? And Hezekiah received the letters, the report from the hand of the messengers. And he read the report. And Hezekiah, what did Hezekiah do? He went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed and said, Lord God of Israel, the one who dwells between the cherub, you are God and you alone. Of all the kingdoms of the earth, you've made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. Hear the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to reproach the living God. Truly, Lord, 
The kings of Assyria have laid waste the nations of their land and have cast their gods into the fire. And they were not God, but they were not gods. They were the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore, they destroyed them. Now, therefore, O Lord, our God, I pray, save us from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you are the Lord and you alone. And Isaiah, the son of Amos, the prophet, sent to Hezekiah, saying, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Because you've prayed to me against Sennacherib, king of Assyria, I have heard your request. I have heard you. This is a story of Hezekiah facing an impossible situation. Things went from bad. He had heard reports that this guy was going around killing other kings, besieging other nations. But now, he, it, they came to him. Things went from bad to worse. And the Bible says he sent a letter to Hezekiah. Hezekiah, if you read 2 Chronicles 20, uh, the, the story in that, in that in, in, uh, it's a different chronicle of, a diff of the same story. Before those letters were sent, Hezekiah was spending his time encouraging the children of Israel. He was telling them to be strong in the Lord. Don't be discouraged because of Sennacherib. Don't be discouraged because of the armies around us. God's going to break us free. God's going to help us. God's going to, he's going to fight our battles. We don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be anxious. God is standing by us as a dreaded champion and his sword has been drawn. He's going to help us. Be strong and courageous. For there's more with us than there are against us. With him is the hand of a man. But with us is the strength of God. And what happened? Sent a letter, and it was a discouraging letter. And Sennacherib said, have any of the gods of the other nations been able to help them? What makes you think your God's any different? He receives those letters. He received that report. Some of you may have received a bad report. Doctor said you have less than a month. Banker said you'll be bankrupt by June. Psychiatrist said the way things are going, you might have to do shock treatment. Things are getting worse. What did Hezekiah do? He took the report. Faith doesn't deny the, the, the reality of this world. Faith reads the report of the Lord to challenge our present reality so that it's overturned and that God's reality, the higher reality, the reality of faith is established in our life. Who has believed our report? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed to? Hezekiah takes the report, puts it before God. and says, hey God, you're the God in heaven. You're the one who rules the kingdoms by your power. All the other gods that couldn't protect their people as Sennacherib was unleashed on the earth, they were all just wood and silver and gold. But I know that you are the God of heaven's armies and that you are the one true and living God. You don't have eyes that are blind and ears that are deaf. You have eyes to see. You have ears to hear. And you don't have a shortened arm that it cannot save. You have an arm that is mighty to save in 2021. And what did he say? I pray save us from this hand. He looked to God. And what did God reply? Because you didn't look to other armies. Because you didn't. Uh, contract out the Egyptian army to come and help you. Because you didn't uh, look for outsour uh, alternative help. You look to me alone. Because of that, I have heard your request. What was the end of the story? 
Verse 35, it came to pass on a certain night, the angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp of Assyrians 185,000 people. And when people arose early in the morning, there were their corpses dead, all of them. And all Sennacherib, uh, so, so, so Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went away, shamefaced, 2 Chronicles 20 says, and remained at Nineveh. And it happened as he was worshiping in the temple of his own God, his own son struck him down by the sword. Our God is a God of supernatural turnaround. If you'll train and discipline yourself, you might not have been able to control the situation that came your way, but you can control the way you react. You can either fix your eye on the report of men that says you aren't going to make it, or you can fix your eyes on him who's the author and perfecter of our faith who said, I began the work in you and I'm going to complete it. I didn't bring you this far to drop you on your face. Your mother and your father might have abandoned you, but I've put your name, inscribed it on the palm of my head. I've not forgotten you. I've not forsaken you. I've not abandoned you. I'm not on a faraway, distant journey, and you'll have to wait till I come back. No, he's a very present help. He said, I'm with you to the ends of the ages. He said, even if all abandon you, I'll stand by you, and I'll cause your enemies who rise up before you to be defeated before your face, and they'll be scattered seven ways. Look away from other reports. When you start looking at those reports, start reading the, you know, some people, they get a little pain in their body and they go on WebMD and they study it. And then they leave off thinking they're stage four cancer and all they did was stub their toe. They're going to read, you may have a chronic, you might have a, a chronic illness because of that. Or, or you might have a, a COPD. You should seek immediate help, like quickly. Call an ambulance. And it's like you just stubbed your foot or uh, the other day and you forgot. And now you have a pain in your foot. And, and all of a sudden, because you're focusing on the report that's not the Lord's report, you're feeding your doubts and you're starving faith. Learn to starve your doubts and feed your faith. I want you to write that out in the comment section. I will starve my doubt and feed my faith. I will starve my doubt and feed my faith. The way you do that is by controlling what you look at. Number five, look away from others' opinions. David wants to go and kill Goliath. He said, hey, let no man's heart fail on account of himself. Your servant will go and kill this Philistine. What did Saul do? Oh, come on, man. You're, a, you're, a, uh, you're like, what, 16 years old? This guy's been a warrior from his youth. Why don't you, why don't you just sit this one out? If David had bought into Saul's opinions, we wouldn't be talking about David and Goliath. It would have been someone else God raised up and it'd be like Charlie and Goliath. I don't know. Some other name. But we wouldn't have the story of David and Goliath had that happened. If David, you have to learn to not care about other people's opinions. Well, brother, you know, I know you, you're standing in faith, but you also have to use wisdom. I would recommend, your recommendations are not objective over the word of God. I subject everyone's recommendations, opinions, and ideas, and concepts, and thoughts to the Word of God. And if it doesn't line up with it, it's foolish. Faith will look foolish to the world. But on the flip side, the world's opinion should look foolish to you. Someone who comes to you and speaks something, you know, some other opinion that doesn't line up with the Word of God should look so ridiculous to you, it'd be as if like a six-year-old came up to you and said, as a male, can you be pregnant? Hey, I think you're pregnant. What? I'm a male. It doesn't work that way, kid. Sorry. That's foolish. So someone coming up to you giving some stupid, unbiblical, unscriptural opinion, 
some worldly advice, it should look to you as, as ridiculous as, as someone, a child going up to a male and saying, I think you're pregnant. Should just laugh and say, ha ha, thank, you know, that's all right. The Bible says the counsels of the wicked are deceitful. It's the thoughts of the righteous that are right. So not only look away from other people's opinions, look, it's like you can look away and, and, and separate yourself from people that are just going to feed doubt into your heart and just uh, so worry and anxiety into your heart and not do the other side of it where you should surround yourself with people that are going to feed faith to you. Not only look away from other people's opinions, look to people who by faith and patience have obtained the promises that you're looking to obtain. Create an environment in your home where good preaching is on. Not preachers that come out and try and explain away the Bible. The Bible doesn't say be followers of them who explain the promises of God. The Bible says be followers of them who obtained the promises of God. Find people of faith. The devil will anoint people to get around you and discourage you and get you to back down, get you to, to uh, you know, maybe, you know, there's another way. Try and sow plan B, plan C. Well, just in case that doesn't work, here's some alternative. You have to have a plan A and a plan A mentality alone. There's no plan B. There's no, if God fails, I'm failing with him. If God, if this ship sinks and God's on this, this ship, I'm sinking with him. So you, just like the devil anoints people to get around you to discourage you, telling you you're not going to make it, telling you you should just, you should just go to, you know. God will anoint people to encourage you. People that will get around you, like me today. You're going to make it. God's with you to fight your battles. With them is the arm of flesh. The devil's on the other end of that attack. But bless God, there's no weapon he can form that can prosper against you. And the devil's not superior to, the, to God. The devil's under his feet. And the devil's under your feet. And the same devil that couldn't keep you from being saved is not going to keep you from the present victory that you have need of. Hallelujah. Don't... <laughs> when you hear bad report, bad news, don't... The, the, the tendency is to like... Not read your Bible when that happens. The tendency, the temptation is just like to just succumb to whatever is coming your way. Ah, just let it happen. You're in the water, you're going to get wet, just stay wet. Instead, you should set your home up. Don't have your, your blinds closed and it's all dark in your home and you have the Lifetime Movie Network playing where it's just tragedy stories, movies on tragedies. People getting sick, children dying, whatever. Don't have that. If you're believing God for something, put before your eyes things, uh, movies, stories, testimonies, whatever. Music. That'll encourage you to, uh, to keep believing God for what, you, what you're believing Him for. 2 Kings chapter 7. You see the king? I don't have enough time to get into that. Everyone has an opinion, and they're all going to want to weigh in on your case. You have to filter the opinions, and only allow opinions that line up with God's Word to make it through to your heart. And another thing is stop running around to everyone else's opinions. Once you have God's Word on your matter, you don't need to ask what other people say about it. 
What do you think about it? God's word says this, but what do you think about it? doesn't matter what they think about it. God's word's enough. Number six, understand you can rule your mind. So this ties in with number five, which is don't let every opinion get into your heart. You have to guard your heart above all things, for out of it flows the issues of life. You can rule, you can't stop a thought from happening, but you can, you can stop it from staying and dwelling and, and building a house in your mind. You can't stop a thought from crossing over, but you can, you, you can definitely thought, uh, stop it from building a nest in your mind. Casting down every thought and imagination of the heart that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. You have to learn to rule your mind. I'm not going to entertain any thought that tells me I'm not going to make it. That tells me things are going to even get more worse than, than they are now. I'm not going to entertain any thought that would discourage me from, from, uh, from believing God. I'm not going to entertain any thought in my mind that would suggest anything else that, uh, than other than what God's word promises me. The Bible says whatsoever is pure, whatsoever is right, whatsoever is good. Dwell on these things and the God of peace will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So this is an amazing uh, secret that I don't think many people know. You can actually make your mind your slave. Your mind will make a terrible master. If you let your mind run, it'll run to places that you never wanted to go. But if you'll make your mind your slave, you can do that. You understand that? The Bible says that we are to set our minds fully so, uh, uh, on the things above. So if Colossians 3 says we can set our mind on things above, then I obviously, God's, God would never tell you to do something. He hasn't given you power to, to fulfill. If the Bible says I can set my mind on things above, then I have power in the anointing to set my mind on things above. That's why God told Joshua, this book of the law should never depart from your mouth. You should be careful to meditate therein, day and night. You can choose what you dwell on. Dwell on things that are true. Dwell on victories from the word of God. Don't dwell. You, you, this is something you have, to, you have to learn to do. You have to look away from your past unless it glorifies God. Don't dwell on the horrors of your past. Don't dwell on, on people you knew through the years that had what you have and died an early death. Or people that went through what you went through and they're still in it. And they've just learned to cope with it. That might have happened to them. But their story, the end of their story doesn't have to be the end of your story. Your story doesn't have to end the way everyone else's story ends. David said, your word, I have taken as my heritage, and it's the rejoicing of my heart. David understood, no matter how other people's stories end, God's word paints the picture of the victory he wants me to have. And so as such, his word and the stories of his word, the way God anointed Abraham with 300 men to go out and, and kill and... and, and um, fight against five kings 
and have the victory then. That same anointing that was on Abraham is on me, David. The same God that delivered me from the paw of the bear. He didn't look to past stories that were horrifying tragedies. He looked to the past that glorified God. The same God that delivered me from the paw of the bear. The same God that delivered me from the, 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 the paw of the, the lion. Is the same God that's going to deliver me from this uncircumcised Philistine. Learn to meditate on the victories of the past. Start to do like David did. Had it not been the Lord who was on my side then, I wouldn't be alive now. And I know the same God that was on my side then is on my side now. God's not had a switch side. He didn't switch sides. He didn't deliver you from there. And all of a sudden he switched sides and now he's working. It. No, he's always working for you. He's always working through you. He's always working. The Bible says, how great is your goodness Towards those who fear your name that you've laid up for them. God doesn't have tragedy laid up for you. Goodness and mercy God has laid up for you. So stop dwelling on the past that doesn't glorify God. Start dwelling on the past that glorifies God. Start uh, reading testimonies of men. Even in, I mean in modern day. Look at Lester Sumrall. Lester Sumrall was dying on his sickbed of tuberculosis. And uh, doctors came and signed his death, his death certificate, laid it by the bed, told his mom, he'll be dead in the morning, just sign whatever time he dies or whatever time you wake up, just sign whatever time it is you find him dead. And that night he has a vision of a casket and a microphone and, the Lord, and a pulpit. And the Lord says, uh, you'll either preach or die. And he says, I'm, I want, I'll preach for you. If it means not dying, I'll preach for you. And the Lord spared, he was the first one up the next morning eating cereal. When tuberculosis didn't have a, a, a vaccination, it was, it was running rampant. Same, same thing for Oral, Ram, Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts was playing basketball. He was an amazing basketball player. Uh, played in, for his state, his state college. And all of a sudden, he starts hacking up blood while he's playing, playing bas basketball. He ends up being bedridden for months and months and months. Dying of tuberculosis, down to like, he was like six foot three or something like that. He was down to like 115 pounds, 110 pounds, when he was a, he was a fit athlete before. And then his sister comes and didn't tell him, you know, the, he had ministers come and pray for him and just said, Lord, just give him peace as he travels to death. That's the way they prayed for him. Oral Roberts ends up having his sister come into town and say the complete opposite. Hey, Oral, God's going to heal you. When he heard those words, he had never heard that before. He just thought, you know, this is the way I'm going. This is the way I'm going. And ministers kept telling him, you know, praying that God would give him peace through this all and that his heart would be right before God before he died. At least he'd make it to heaven. Oral Robert's sister came and said, Oral, God's going to heal you. Imagine if she hadn't said that. He said, when, that, when those words hit my heart, faith came alive and I knew God was going to heal me. There was no doubt in my mind. And she showed through the word that, you know, God was sent forth Jesus to destroy the work of the devil. And, uh, and, and he started to have faith for it. And it wasn't, I think, three weeks later, he was in a meeting with uh, an evangelist, and the evangelist laid hands on him. Oral Roberts was healed. Imagine if Oral had died, if his sister wasn't there to tell him that God's going to heal you. Doesn't matter what those ministers have said. What matters is what God's word says about your case. You can rule your thoughts by directing... Your attention to people, testimonies, preaching that preaches the word of God so that it can build faith in you 
to cast down imaginations, cast down every thought that rises in opposition to God's word. Hallelujah. Colossians 3.16 says, you are to fill your heart with the word of Christ. You are to do it. And as you do it, you'll see the word of God will start to have an, a dominion in your mind where it'll dominate your thoughts. The same way it was easy to think thoughts of doubt, thoughts of depression, thoughts uh, of, of failure. All of a sudden, there's thoughts of victory. Naturally. Just rising up because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. You can rule your thoughts in your mind. And you have to do that in this season of faith. Number seven, and my final point, is you never quit. You never quit. Uh, Kenneth Hagin was sick with a heart deformity and uh, had a heart condition and uh, several other things. I don't, know, I don't know enough detail to list them out for you, but I know there was a, an incurable heart disease and disorder in his, in, his, in his body and he was dying. He was 16 years old. He, he, couldn't, he was bedridden for six months. And uh, ministers came, did the same thing they did with Earl Roberts. You know, the devil wants to wipe you out because he knows the plan that is ahead of you. He knows. He knew that if Earl Roberts would rise from that bed, that he, what he would become, a, a mighty man of God that laid hands on him, over a million people in his lifetime, not prayed for it, laid hands on. And many were saved. Many were healed by the power of God. Same thing for Lester Shomlal goes around uh, the whole entire world as a missionary, preaching the gospel, starting a church in Manila, Philippines that had multiple, like 25,000 people, revivals that kick-started all around the world because of him. Then the, the work he started in, in um, what is it? It's on the tip of my tongue. Notre Dame. Where's Notre Dame, the, the college football team? Anyways, he starts a work there and now has a, 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 a massive television ministry, radio ministry. And not only that, he started Feed the Hungry, which is a ministry that feeds the hungry overseas, Christians. Because not in every nation do uh, Christians get treated well. So in a lot of nations, you know, you have humanitarian efforts that go in, but the Christians are like at the back and they never get. They never. They only get the crumbs. So he has a he has a ministry, a ministry, a, a, a feeding ministry that goes around feeding the hungry in every nation of the earth. And Christians are served first, so that he makes sure that in the those hot, those nations that are persecuted nations, Christians aren't being abandoned and starving to death. So that all happened because God raised him up out of that sickbed. The devil knows that if if you stay confined to that sickbed, if you stay at that low level you are right now. If things keep on getting worse and faith doesn't come up on the inside of you to fight the good fight of faith, to lay hold of the breakthrough that God has for you, the world will suffer because of the lack of your presence on the earth. You have to see yourself. You're important. I'm important. I'm not important because I'm something great. I'm important because I'm anointed and the world needs more anointed people. The Bible says in the last days, deliverers will rise from Mount Zion. Deliverers, saviors. This is the last days. God, the devil knows the plan of God to pour out his spirit on all mankind. And that many would rise in the anointing to set humanity free. 
and have one last final revival before the return of Jesus Christ. So what is he doing? When the first deliverer was prophesied in uh, Moses coming as a deliverer to deliver Israel from Egypt, what happened? Pharaoh was stirred up by the devil to kill every firstborn of Israel under the age of two. Why? Because he wanted to rid the earth of that deliverer. But he failed then because Moses was preserved and, um, and God raised him up and he ended up bringing them out of the house of bondage into the house of liberty. Then when Jesus was coming, what happened then? Herod found out the king of the Jews is born. He killed every child under two. Why do you think there's such a push for abortion? Today. Because God's program for these last days is to raise up an army of people to bring salvation to the far corners of the earth. So he's doing his best to kill them in the womb. But the same devil that couldn't kill you in the womb. The same devil that couldn't kill you when you were young. The same devil that that car accident didn't wipe out. Is the same devil that won't be able to wipe you out now. Because when God arises, all his enemies are scattered. And anyone that makes himself an enemy of you is an enemy of God. So point seven is never quit. The only devil, sorry, the only Christian that the devil can wipe out is a quitting Christian. The only Christian that the devil can wipe out is the quitting Christian. If you won't quit, you can't lose. I want you to write that <laughs> in the comment section. If I don't quit, I can't lose. If I don't quit, I can't lose. If I don't quit, I can't lose. Quitters are losers. But we're not quitters. We're overcomers. You look at Joseph. Joseph had every opportunity to quit. Well, my brother sold me into slavery, and now, you know, here I am in Egypt. You know what? Screw God. I I'm going my own way. I tried this. Didn't work out. And what ended up happening? What would have happened if Joseph did that? We wouldn't, we wouldn't have heard of who Joseph was. Instead, Joseph maintained his integrity before God. He never... Joseph and Daniel and Noah are like the three people, and Job, three people in script, four people in Scripture, that there's no sin, not that they were sinless, they were sinners. All, all were born into sin. But there's no sin or wrongdoing that's attributed to them in, the, in all the Scriptures. Joseph, when, he, when Potiphar's wife stretched out to grab, his, to grab him so that he would have sex with her, because he refused to do it. He says, far be it from me that I should sin against God in doing this wicked thing. He, he refused to quit. He could have said, you know what? I'll sleep with her. Look where all this holiness has brought me anyways. Look at all this inte integrity, integrity, whatever. It's not done anything for me. But instead, no. God showed me when I was young. That I'm going to a high place in life. And I'm not going to let anything take me off that race. I'm running this race with perseverance. I fix my eyes on the prize. I'm looking to the reward. And that gave him energy. That even when people tried to derail him. The devil tried to derail him twice, three times. In the pit, refused to curse God and die. In the, in the prison, refused to curse God and die. 
when Potiphar's wife tried to arrest him, refused her. No, I'm maintaining my integrity before God. And what happened? At the end of his life, he was prime minister of Egypt. He refused to quit. And so God refused to stop blessing him. The Shunammite woman, first, uh, 2 Kings chapter 4. Elisha comes, she builds, she builds a room in her house for him. And Elisha's lying on the bed one afternoon. And he's like, man, this girl has blessed me so much. Gehazi, what can we do for her to bless her? Well, she has no son. Call her. By this time next year, you'll have a son. Oh, don't deceive me, man of God. Don't get my hopes up. By that time next year, she had a son. Then, a couple of months, years later, I don't know, five, six years old, the Bible says he's in the field with his father and his head starts hurting. He, he goes home to his mom. His mom holds him in his hands until noonday and the kid dies. What does she do? Well, you know, at least I got to hold him for five, five years, six years. It's better than nothing. No. She, she sent for a donkey and a chariot. And she said, I'm going to meet the man of God. And the father said, well, it's not new moon or Sabbath. It is well, she replied. She didn't quit. She didn't say, well, I guess I'll just try this. It is well. Then on the way there, the man of God sees her in distress. And she pours out her heart before him. My son's dead. But what is she? She never quit. She laid hold onto that which God had prepared for her. Even in the midst of impossible situations. Her son wasn't sick. Her son was now dead. But she kept on saying, it's well. It's going to be well. You got to learn to prophesy over yourself. It might not look well, but I know it's going to be well. Because it is well with my soul. Because God before me. The Bible says in Isaiah 3.10, Say unto the righteous, all will be well for you. Going to prophesy over me. All will be well. Doesn't matter what things look like right now. All will be well. All things work together for my good. For those who love him and call according to his purpose. I know that my tomorrow will be alright. Because I'm doing what God said to do today. Those who obey and serve me, God said, they will spend their years in prosperity and their years in pleasure. I know that goodness and mercy is lining up for me. All will be well. He meets me with the blessings of goodness. I know this is going to turn for my favor. The enemy meant evil, but God is turning this for my good. I'm not going to quit. He that began a good work, he's going to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to give up and quit. I'm not going to grow weary in well-doing. I know that if I sow to the Spirit, I know if I sow these things, I know that if I sow in faith, that God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, he shall reap. And I'm going to reap a harvest of miracles in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. If that's you... Just shout a hallelujah. And I'm going to pray for you right now, wherever you are. Whatever you're believing God for. If it's sickness in your body. If it's a, a, a financial situation. You've been backed up to a Whatever it is. There's a way out. God's going to provide a way of escape for you today. Things are turning in your favor. God of Superman. Uh, God of Superman. The God of the super, supernatural turnaround. Is turning things around for you today in Jesus name. God's raising up a standard to beat back the forces of darkness that have tried to arrest you before your time. In Jesus' name. Many might be your adversaries, but there is help for you in God. 
He's still your crown. He's still your glory. He's still your light. He's still your salvation. He's still the strength of your life. And you will see your desire upon your enemies. Men have said there's a casting down, but God's about to lift you up in the name of Jesus Christ. Be healed in your body wherever you're watching. I want you to take your right hand. If it's sickness, put it where your sickness is. Put it where the tumor is. Put it where your disease is. Lay your hands on yourself. And just, I'm going to pray right now. A prayer that's going to, like a weapon, destroy every root of sickness in your life and in your body. Addiction. Hallelujah. Addictions are being broken. Alcohol addiction. Percocet addiction. Opioid addiction. Uh, uh, whatever it might be. Pornography addiction. It's being broken. Like chains breaking. There's no chain hell has forged that the power of God's not going to break off your life. That's right, Lisa. I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord. Not when I die and go to heaven. In the land of the living. Hallelujah. Ah, oh, hallelujah. David was ransacked by some Philistines, his army. They took, they took the children and they took some of the, uh, they took all their possessions. They were robbed. And the people took up stones to stone David. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. He said, I know my tomorrow's going to be all right because the God of breakthroughs on my side. And when he did that, God gave him a plan to go and recover everything that he had lost. God, the, Lord, the chewing locust might have eaten. The swarming locust might have chewed things up. But the Bible says he restores the years that the locusts have eaten. God's going to restore that which the enemy has stolen from you like that old song says I'm going back into the enemy's camp and I'm taking back what the enemy stole from me he's going to heal your body he's going to touch your mind oh he's saving you just in time and so praise his name hallelujah hallelujah in the mighty name of Jesus father those that are hopeless and have tuned into this broadcast I thank you that they're no longer hopeless but they're hopeful I thank you that your word has come into their spirit and has built them up, charged them up to fight the good fight of faith, knowing that the fight of faith is a good fight and that by faith we obtain good reports. Thank you for miraculous good reports that are going to come through, through, through this broadcast. Thank you, Lord, that our best years are not behind us, but our best years are yet ahead of us. Thank you, and we confess what your word says. That we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. We will not forget the benefits of serving you. Thank you, Father, that you're not some mystical, ethereal God in heaven that can't help, can't do anything about real situations. That you're just some creed that we hold to, some philosophy. Father, I thank you that you are a, the, not only a being, you are the most powerful being. You are the God who is the Most High, El Elyon, and that there's nothing that has come against us that you don't have power and might to set us free from. Thank you that things are turning for us. Thank you, Father, that you can reverse the irreversible things of life and that it's happening right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you're watching and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I'd encourage you to do so by going to salvationnow.ca after I pray this prayer for you. I want to pray with you. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm like going to need to get used to this new studio. 
It's only for like I think two, next Tuesday and next uh, next Tuesday alone, because next week I'm gonna be traveling Thursday, so we'll have to do it on Friday. But if you're watching right now and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I'd encourage you to do so. Not I encourage you. You gotta do so. The Bible says that uh, if you're weary and heavy laden, you don't have to stay weary and heavy laden. You don't have to stay burdened and pressured down by the burdens of life. You can turn to Jesus and He said, I'll, I'll teach you. Come and learn of me. I'll give you rest where you are burdened. Take my yoke upon you. It's easy and my burden because it's light. And you'll find rest for your souls. That rest is not going to be in drugs and alcohol. That rest is in Christ Jesus. There's no amount there's no amount of worldly substance that can fill the void that's in your heart. Only Jesus can do that. And you've tried everything else. You've looked to alternatives. You've looked to other sources. Maybe you're like the woman with the issue of blood. You spent everything you had to try and provide an answer for your situation. But you've not grown better. You've only grown worse. You've heard about Jesus. Touch the hem of His garment. And the way you touch the hem of His garment is by getting saved. Pray this with me from the bottom of your heart. If you need to get right with Jesus, you're not absolutely convinced in your own heart that, that you're saved. If you have any shadow of doubt, you need to pray this. Have the assurance of salvation. The Bible says if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus and confess with your mouth Christ is Lord, you will be saved. So pray this with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I believe that you raised Christ from the dead. I confess Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with your spirit. Forgive me of my sin. Let all things become new from this day onward. I will follow you as you give me power to do so. Thank you that you didn't leave me as an orphan on this earth, but you sent me your Holy Spirit to be empowered to live a life well-pleasing to you. I accept you and receive you into my heart. Heaven is now my home. God is now my Father. And I'm never going to turn around. I'm never going to turn back. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, salvationnow.ca, first link that pops up, I just got saved. Fill it out and... Uh, I want to get that to you. Also, I've added a video at the bottom of that page. And it's four basic things every Christian must do. And that's going to really help you. Four basic things every Christian must do to live a life of victory. To make sure that you don't just have like some euphoric experience here. And then tomorrow you wake up and the next day or next week or two months from now you wake up and you're back into the miry clay. You're back into the mud that God helped you and cleaned you up from. So four basic things every Christian must do. It's on that link, salvation.ca. I, I just got saved. It's at the bottom of the page. And um, listen to that. Watch that. It's really going to help you. Stay connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Malkanji. Or visit us online, www.salvationnow.ca. God bless you, and until next time.